couple of quick things before we uh, jump into the sermon. First, that was some fantastic worship. That really was. Guys are awesome. Guys are awesome. Um, man, I'm hyper. Um, <laughs> hey, I have good reason to be hyper, too. A uh, couple, of, couple of quick things here. Um, uh, we were talking over the last, you know, we started in April saying, hey, you know, we keep the giving going forward, we keep the giving going forward and, uh, at the church, and we can do so many things. And I just want to thank you, uh, first and foremost. Um, I'm so excited to be the pastor of Grace Chapel. God is really moving in so many profound ways in this church. And over the next few weeks, yeah, you can clap all you want. Clap. That's good. good. Give God the glory. Um, over the next few weeks, I'm going to share some things that are literally going to blow your mind. I'm with, you're going to be excited. These are things that some of you are going to say, you know, I wanted to be involved in that my entire life. And we're going to share some things where I think you're going to be able to fulfill some of the some of the gifts and creativity that God has given you through the church and all he's doing through Grace Chapel. But I want to encourage you this morning, because as of last Sunday, there's five Sundays in June. As of the fourth Sunday in June, we were fourteen thousand dollars over budget in June. OK, um, that is unheard of for our church in June, the amount of money that came in so far. And we still have this morning. And if we raise if we we have enough come in this morning, we have a strong Sunday on the fifth Sunday, which is usually not the case. But if we have a strong Sunday this morning. We'll be able to not only cover all of our normal expenses, but pay for all of the construction that has happened so far this summer. And you've seen it all. And we've gotten, we've gotten great feedback, even from the line of trees and the fence back here. Someone was telling me this morning they were at a gathering of people in our community, about 300, and 25 people came up to them. And I'm not sure these are church folks, uh, but they said, we love the changes we're seeing back here on your campus. It's amazing. So we'll be finishing this section off over here. The bay doors will be no more. It'll be all landscaped, a new entrance going in over here. So a lot of things we still want to do. The reason I'm dressed like this is because today's a work day. Um, plus, I love back-to-back ministries. Um, but today's a work day. We're, we're restructuring a lot of the classrooms back here because our children's ministry is growing so rapidly. We have to knock down walls and do some things there. So if you want to stay after second service, you can come back, dress in your grubbies, come back and, and work with us. We'll be working basically all day. We're even going to have dinner here at night. So if you're doing some things, you want to come back, great. Um, but we'll get a lot accomplished. We have a lot of projects all laid out, all organized. We have lunch. We have dinner. And we have a lot of projects. So that's exciting. Last thing I wanted to mention is we had Walk for Water um, this last, last week. And we raised $2,500. And then someone else said, hey, I will, I will put up 2000 or $2,500 if people will match it to, to drill a well. We have enough money for one well. This would give us a second well to drill. So if anyone this morning has the, in their hearts, you've been, you know, you've been thinking, oh Lord, you know, how, I, I feel like I want to give something to something specific, but I don't know what it is. Well, there it is. If we match the 2,500 this morning, we will then drill another well and we'll have two wells that are being drilled, that will be built, that'll be drilled in Nigeria. And again, that's just life saving. That just saves people's lives. So a lot of really exciting things going on at the church. And uh, before I kind of jump into this, let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. God, thank you so, so much for this amazing day you've given to us. Thank you for an amazing church. For a group of people, Lord, who see the vision who believe in what we're doing together as the body of Christ, Lord, we are marching forward to fulfill all that you have for us as a church. We love you. 
We thank you for the way your Holy Spirit is moving in our lives. We thank you for those whose lives have been given to you this summer, who've turned over their lives to you, who've who've received your, your Son as Lord and Savior of their lives, Lord God, and the growth that we see across the board. Thank you for this series, Lord God, and the way that it's impacting people's lives. As we, we don't just muddle through the summer, but that we take the summer to be a time of dynamic growth in the church. And we're seeing it in the numbers that are coming, in the giving, Lord God, in the spiritual growth, in everything that's happening in this church, Lord God, we see it. And we thank you, you for all of it. We take no glory for ourselves. We give you the glory for all of it. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Now, open up to James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It'll be up on the screen. James 1, 2 through 4, it says this. Consider it pure joy, my friends, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Okay, I think this one really hits home, okay? There is not a person in this room who has not faced trials in their lives. Consider it pure joy, he says, when you face trials. There's not a person in the room who has not faced trials in their lives unless they're too little to recognize what I'm saying. And there's not a person here, most likely, who when they go through trials, considers it pure joy all the time, right? Next time you go through a trial, you just say, well, and you think about your life and all the things you've gone through and you thought, boy, I just considered that a pure joy in my life. See... In our series, Great to Good, it's been so dynamic for me to teach this because we're looking at the contrast between God's word and the actions and attitudes and thoughts of this world. It's a contrast. You go through a trial in the world, you do not consider it pure joy. The Bible's filled with these contrasts. And as we read the contrast, it really pushes us to a new level of spiritual maturity. We look at this and say, wait a second, consider it pure joy when I face trials? I mean, how many people do you know out in the world who, when they go through a trial, consider it pure joy? They they look at that and think, how can this positively affect my life? Most people, most people become angry and bitter. They become angry and bitter. They, They lash out at the people around them. They blame the people around them. They blame God. They don't, they don't think about it the way James is thinking about it. He, they don't think about it the way he's expecting or challenging us to think about it. They're frustrated. They become angry. But in chapter, in, in verse 20 of chapter 1, James says, James makes it absolutely clear that man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. That's what James is helping us to see. If we, if we consider it pure joy, and other, in other, other, other Bibles say, uh, consider it all joy. But if we consider it joy, it will help us to live the righteous life that God desires. If we don't, then it's going to lead to anger and bitterness, and it's going to be a negative effect on our lives and on the lives of those around us. It's a choice. It's a choice. Consider it pure joy means that when we, when we see or that when we, we face a trial, each trial, each setback, we need to see each trial and each setback as an opportunity for growth, an opportunity to become the person that God created you to be. 
The Bible flies in the face of the wisdom of this world. The Bible flies in the face of the thinking, the thought process of those within the world. If we consider it pure joy, we will become the person that God has created us to be. When we become angry and bitter, it destroys relationships. You end up making, think about this, you end up making terrible decisions and allow the challenges of this life to dictate your destiny. That's what's happening. Something happens to you, you don't like it, you're frustrated, you get angry, you don't think it through, you don't consider it pure joy, and you lash out, and that event dictates the destiny of your life. How many people do you know something happened to them? Could be tragic, breaks our hearts, but they allow that to dictate their destiny the rest of their lives. They're so angry and bitter about what happened to them, they're lost. I said this last week or the week before. It becomes their son, if you will, and their entire life begins to revolve around that event. We cannot allow the trials of life in a negative way to dictate our destiny. So we talked about digging below the surface in this series. First week we talked, we said, let's get below the surface. And as we dig below the surface, the first thing we notice is that James, James regards trials as inevitable. They're inevitable. They are going to happen. You can't avoid them. He says, when, not if you face various trials, right? Look at the, look at the text. It says, when, when you face. It's not about if. It's not about, hey, you know what? Hey, listen, guys. Maybe if... You do someday if you know when you you're going to you're going to face trials. So he says you're going to face various trials. And when you face trials, you need to seize the opportunity. You need to seize that opportunity and embrace embrace as a embrace it as a catalyst for change. Seize it. Embrace it as a catalyst for change in your life. As an opportunity for, for good, as an, as an opportunity, an occasion for joy, not for discouragement. Now, some of you are thinking to yourself, have you lost your mind? I mean, listen to this. It's crazy. It is crazy if you think about it from the perspective of the world. It is a little bit crazy. And if we're actually going to pull off what I'm talking about this morning, what God's word is saying, we need to realize that we need to have that spiritual maturity. We need to walk in the good way. We need to go back to the foundation of this series, Great to Good, which is Jeremiah 6.16. He says, ask for the good way and walk in it. If you have any, if you have any hope, to fulfill what we're talking about this morning, you need to make sure that you're becoming or you are spiritually mature. If you are not spiritually mature or becoming spiritually mature or working towards spiritual maturity, you can forget doing this. You can forget almost everything I'm talking about this entire summer. If you're not working towards spiritual maturity, because this flies in the face of our natural being. Everything I'm talking about this summer goes against your sinful nature goes against your natural reaction to things. And, and James says it to consider it pure joy when you face trials. In order to do this, we need to be spiritually mature. You are not going to be completely spiritually mature just by showing up on Sunday morning. 
This will help. This will help you grow. This is a shot in the arm. This is where you can, you know, you can build, start building your foundation. But if you truly want to be mature in Christ, you need to get involved in a life group. You need to seek out. We have different life groups in the church. You need to get involved in a life group. You need to be going to the youth ministry. You need to be involved in a women's Bible study or a men's Bible study. You need to set a time, set aside time for your family to go on a missions trip or to go on a retreat. You need those times away where God can speak to your heart. It cannot happen. True, ultimate spiritual maturity doesn't happen just on a Sunday morning. It means we engross ourselves in Christ, taking every opportunity to grow in our relationship with him. And that needs to happen. That needs to happen. We're planning just for if you've never been on a mission trip, back to back is is beginning a ministry in Haiti. And we're going to be planning a trip to Haiti very soon. We don't be going very soon. We planning the trip and then within the next year we'll be there. So if you'd like to go to Haiti with us and help establish that ministry in Haiti, let me know. Give me a call. I'll put you on a list and we'll make sure we let you know when, when that trip is happening. But what a phenomenal opportunity to, to change your life, to transform your life by getting involved in the lives of others. It helps. You cannot grow and mature in Christ just by coming on Sunday mornings. As we mature, we are able to see, we're able to see those trials that we go through from a, from a different vantage point, an eternal vantage point, an eternal perspective. When you're spiritually immature, you see everything from an earthly perspective. Why is this happening to me? I can't believe I don't understand. And I, and that's where you stay. Now we all go through trials, raise my hand. I do the same thing. Why is this happening? I don't understand. You know, blah, blah, blah. We, we do that. But as you mature spiritually, you begin to realize, wait, I need to take a step back and see this from from an eternal perspective, from a different vantage point. When we begin to mature in in, in our relationship with Christ, we begin to have Christ like lenses as we look at these things. We, 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 we have the ability to look beyond our present circumstances to, to its future benefit. What will the future benefit be for me as I'm going through this? You begin to process through it. It is not just a here and now. I can't believe why is this happening to me? God, why is what you do is you step back and say, okay, what, what could be the future benefits of this experience in my life? You start asking the right questions, not just making emotional responses, but you start asking the right questions. When we consider a trial pure joy, we understand that the struggle that we're facing right now brings about, produces perseverance, perseverance, perseverance in the Greek is the word hippomone. It's hippomone. It's a cool word. It doesn't describe passive waiting, but active active endurance. So not sitting back, but this active endurance. It's a word that better describes the quality of the, of the, of, of of what can happen to a runner of helping a runner finish a marathon, not the idea of you sitting in a doctor or dentist waiting room and being patient. It's this active endurance. It's a quality that we can use to help us finish that marathon, much like this young lady here. Sit back now for a study in true grit. It came on a cross-country track in Fresno, California. The state championship was on the line for a 16-year-old runner, her team, and her legendary coach. What happened there last Saturday afternoon was her gift to him. 
and they are away. Holland Reynolds is a running star, has been since the third grade, racking up hundreds of miles, scores of medals. But her state championship race last Saturday was unlike any other, the race of her life. It may also be the last for her coach, Jim Tracy. Uh, he's the greatest cross-country coach in California. Coach Tracy is also gravely ill. In June, he was diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, a condition that's sucking the strength out of his once-fit muscles. For now, he can still stand on the sidelines cheering on Holland and her teammates. The girls division five. And that's just where he was during this extraordinary race on Saturday. Unusually cold, the weather caught Holland and her body off guard. With just half a mile to go, making her move from third place to second, Holland hit the wall. She thought she was still running. Uh, this is the guts that cross country brings out in athletes. This is very gutty here. All the way through, giving for her teammates. She's got about 30 meters to go. 993. Holding her so, so well. Oh boy, we about five meters. Hopefully she will get back up. There's a decision here. She gets assistance, of course. This is... This decision time, they're asking her how she's feeling. This is cross country. If they country. touch her, that would be disqualifier. So they're asking her, can you make it? And look at her. Such a courageous effort trying to cross that finish. The crowd is giving her all they can here at the finish. As soon as she crosses, they will scoop her up and take her to the medical tent right away. And there she did it. That crawl secured the state championship for Holland's team. They celebrated in the back of her ambulance. One more win for Holland and the coach who taught her to never give up. That is hippomon. That is active endurance. That's what, it, that's what we're talking about here. The, the quality that gives you the ability to crawl across the finish line. You know, that's a runner. But how many times in our lives have we had to crawl across the finish line emotionally in situations? Where do you think you get that strength from? A life of just silver spoon, everything's good, nothing ever happens to me. You lay there if that's what happens. You don't get up. Hippomon, active endurance. Trials produce character and heart. They produce a relentless spirit, the ability to overcome and keep moving forward regardless of your limitations. That's what helps move you forward. That's what we're talking about here. At its root, perseverance in the Greek means to remain under. To remain under. It's a picture of someone who is under heavy pressure. So they're under heavy pressure and they have, an, they have a, a, a basic uh, resolute spirit to not give up. But they're under so much pressure. It reminds me of a story that I, that I actually read about of a mom in Georgia. Five foot eight mom whose son was stuck underneath the car. And she picked the car up off of him and held it there for five minutes. For no five minutes, not oh, five. She held it for five minutes. A doctor said that adrenaline cannot last for five minutes. Okay, so now get this: five foot eight little mom picks up a car off her son. This was not a little car. This was like a muscle type of car. Picks a car off her son and holds it there for five minutes. The doctor said adrenaline rush wouldn't last five minutes, and suggested that what happened wasn't so much supernatural strength. But let me read this part to you. It says. He says, as supernatural strength, as endurance in the face of otherwise overwhelming pain. 
This is mom power right here. I don't know how else to put it, okay? Mom power. Adrenaline may have helped her pick up the car. It didn't give her the strength to hold the car for five minutes. That is endurance. And endurance, the strength beyond our human understanding. This endurance that God gives us to get through life, to make it through when things are difficult. How does a five foot eight mom, a little mom, pick up a car that big and hold it for five minutes? Hippomon, active endurance. This is what trials give us. This active endurance, the ability, no matter what happens to us, no matter what we go through, we have it. And the problem is, in our culture, this is sorely lacking. When the going gets tough now, nowadays, most people crumble or complain or crack or cave. That's what happens. Why? Because they don't make the choice that when they're going through difficulties in life, they don't make the choice to actively say, I will consider it. I will consider things pure joy, pure joy. We need to get back to the ancient path. We need to follow men like Joseph who went through trial after trial after trial and walked in the good way. He chose to walk in the good way. I have found that life is made up of different trials. Life is made, you think about it, it's made up of trials that shape us either for the better or for the worse, right? Every single, you know people, they've gone through difficulty, you've seen them go through this difficulty, they have tanked and never recovered. You see someone else who goes through three times as much. But they make a choice in their minds. They get that defiance, that, that, in, that, that, that endurance, if you will, to say, this will not crush me. It will not hold me down. I will use this. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And they use that to spring them forward, it doesn't mean they stop hurting. It doesn't mean they forget what they've been through. It doesn't mean that they don't cry sometimes. They don't get overwhelmed. It doesn't mean any of that. It means they move forward in the power of Jesus Christ in their lives, using these trials to overcome. The reality is when life is calm and easy, we stand still. We don't move. We stay the same, but trials transform us. God uses them in a way to move us forward, to awaken us, some of us, from our apathy and our mediocrity. God doesn't want us to be apathetic in our Christian life. He doesn't want us to be mediocre. And so he uses trials and difficulties in life to help you rise above it, to shake you from your apathy, to shake us from our mediocrity and to become the people that we are created to be. Listen to what C.S. Lewis wrote. It says, God whispers in our pleasure, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Trials also show us where we are in our spiritual maturity. In verse 3, it says, Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. You have to listen. Put your thinking caps on and listen to, to what I'm saying here. Faith is tested through trials, not produced by trials. Faith is tested through trials, not produced by trials. Trials have the ability to reveal the strength of faith we already have. 
I mean, as I was studying this and going through this, there's nuances there that are that, that could change your life. Now, you may be thinking, Does, doesn't God know how much faith I have? Yeah, he does. God knows exactly how much faith this experience is not for not for for, for God's benefit. It's not it's not for him. But to make us, to make us, our faith evident to us. It is to make our faith evident to us and to those around us. When we go through trials in life, we understand. I mean, as I was studying this, I was going back in my life and starting to scratch my head and going, wow, gosh, I thought I had faith. I thought I had really strong faith. I considered myself a person of strong faith. And so I really started looking deep into my heart and realizing when I went through trials, I didn't handle them as well as I should. And it exposed the weakness of my faith is what it did. It exposed the weakness of my faith and made me start to think, wait a second, how then do I grow in my faith? How do I strengthen? strengthen? If, if trials do not strengthen your faith, if you will, then what does? If if trials do not produce faith, I should say, what does? Well, in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, it pretty much tells us. Consequently, faith comes by hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Faith is built in our lives as we listen, understand, trust in, and apply the word of God. It comes back to that. So is the simple things. Faith is produced in your life as you listen to the word of God from from others reading the word of God as you listen, as you uh, take the time to understand. Some of you go to college and you get that professor and they get up there and start throwing these facts out and they tear your religion apart and they tear Christianity apart and you sit there and just kind of rub your feet. Man, they never taught me that. Oh boy, my whole faith is falling apart. You know what? Until you take the time on your own to sit down and challenge what that person is saying. And understand the word of God. And understand the weakness of their argument. When we, under, when we listen and we understand, and then we trust in, who are you going to trust in? The person who can't stand Christians, wants to rip Christianity to pieces, they have their own issues, has nothing to do with, with intellect, it has to do with emotion. They, something happened, they're ticked off about it. It's not about that. When we understand and then we trust in God instead of that person and then apply. You want to really grow? Apply what you're learning. Take what you're learning this morning and apply it to your life and you will grow. Oh, you'll grow like crazy. Application. We grow as we listen, understand, trust in and apply the word of God. That's how we build our faith. That's how we build our faith. Our trials pretty much point out sometimes where we are in our faith. But the word of God helps us build it. Trials don't produce faith. They do not produce. But when trials are received with faith, they produce perseverance. When a trial comes and you receive it with faith, the faith that you have, you've got to strengthen your faith. When a trial comes, you receive it in faith, with faith. And that produces perseverance. And that's what we need to get through our Christian life, that perseverance. Now, I realize that perseverance doesn't always produce, it produce you know, in times of trial. It's not produced in times of trial all the time. I understand that. I think we all understand that. If, if, a, if, if you go through a challenge or a, or a difficulty in your life and you respond to it with unbelief, 
or criticism or grumbling, trials then produce bitterness and discouragement in your life, right? That's what I was saying before. If you handle it this way, it can produce perseverance. If you handle it this way, it's going to produce bitterness and anger and discouragement in your life. It's a choice. That's why James exhorts us. He says, consider it pure joy. It's an exhortation. Consider it pure joy. It's a choice. Listen, everyone is going to go through trials. The only question is, how are we going to handle it? What is it going to produce in our lives? That's the only question we have to answer this morning. I can't tell you, when you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, you're not going to face any difficulties anymore. Of course you are. The question is, how are we going to handle it when we do face it? And what is it going to bring about? What is it going to produce? What is it actually going to produce in our lives? Henry Ward Beecher wrote this. We are always on the anvil. By trials, God is shaping us for higher things. It's why I go back and I think about this all the time. It's why my professor taught us what you win people with is what you win them to. If you win people with a weak sissy, um, easy believism Christianity, what do you think happens to folks when they face difficulties in life? When they don't have any spiritual maturity, what you win people with, if you win them with bells and whistles and candy and whatever, okay, oh yeah, I want to be, I want to be, I want to have Jesus too. I want to add Jesus to my repertoire of whatever. Yeah, I'm going to ask Jesus So you win them with this easy believism. What you win people with is what you win them to. And when it gets difficult, guess what they do? And then people say, well, see, Christianity doesn't work. Ah, a bunch of hypocrites. We need to be spiritually mature. We need to know the word of God. We need to tell people the truth. If we win them with a strong faith, if we win them with the truth of the gospel, if we win them with with the word of God, when trials come, they will be able to stand up under it. If not, they will not. They will fall apart and say, this didn't work. I tried Jesus. It didn't work. Sometimes people think that James is telling us, to enjoy trials. Like, I, I, I hope I didn't give you the impression that when you go through a trial, you're like, no, 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 you know, this is great. I knew a guy in Florida one time, car got trashed, all these things happened to him, and he came in, and it was like, you know, he was like, praise Jesus, praise Jesus, I just got an accident, but praise Jesus, praise Jesus. I'm like, come, he's like, he's going to have a nervous breakdown if he didn't stop saying praise Jesus, you know what I'm saying? It's like, buddy, you don't have to be thrilled and excited that something happened to you. That's not what James is talking about. He doesn't, he doesn't say that we need to feel it all joy or that it is all joy, that all trials are all joy. It's not, that's not what he's saying. He's saying we need to make a spiritual choice. We go through a trial. If you remember nothing else, this is what I want you to remember. You need to make, when you face a trial, you need, I need, I need to make a spiritual choice. We may not always be, we may always feel happy when we go through a trial or a difficulty in life, but we can decide, you and I can decide how we're going to, how we're going to react to them. 
How we're going to react to the trial and what result that trial will have in our lives. We can make the choice. We can make the choice. It's simple. Results. Results depend on reaction. The results, what comes out of that trial, the results of the trial will depend on Jeff Greer's reaction to the trial. Something bad happens. I start shaking my fist at God and blaming all of you and go into some tizzy fit about it. Don't focus on what the future benefits could be. Don't focus on what God's trying to produce in my life. Don't focus on what needs to change in my life. Then I'm going to be bitter and angry at you, at God and everybody else. And who cares? Why do you think? I'm telling you, look at some of the people in your life, the older people, and don't wonder, do not wonder anymore why they're acting the way that they're acting. Verse 4 says, Perseverance must finish its work so that we may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Isn't that awesome? Mature and complete, not lacking anything. When we go through a trial, perseverance and endurance come slowly. Oh, it's annoying. Right? You can't force it. You have to allow it to run its course because patient endurance is a reflection of spiritual maturity. So we have to let it, it's going to happen, but it's going to come. It's going to come. We can't force it. Let me explain with this illustration. This, this is one you may have heard before, but I really love it. Once a little boy was playing outside with, and found a caterpillar. He carefully picked it up and took it home and showed it to his mother. He asked his mother if he could keep it. She said he could if he took good care of it. The little boy got a large jar from his mom and put plants in it for the caterpillar to eat and a stick for him to climb on. Every day he watched the caterpillar and brought it lots of plants to eat. One day the caterpillar climbed up on the stick and started acting strangely. The boy worriedly called his mother, who came and understood what the caterpillar was creating, a cocoon. The mother explained to the boy how the caterpillar was going to go through a transformation to become a butterfly. The little boy was thrilled to hear about the changes his caterpillar was going to go through. He watched every single day, waiting for the butterfly to emerge. One day it happened. A small hole appeared in the cocoon and the butterfly started to struggle to come out. At first, the boy was excited, but soon he became concerned. The butterfly was struggling so hard to get out. It looked like it wasn't going to be able to do it. The boy was concerned and he wanted to help, so he decided to help. And he got some scissors and he snipped the cocoon to make the hole bigger. And the butterfly quickly emerged. As the butterfly came out, the boy was surprised. He had a swollen body and small shriveled wings. He continued to watch the butterfly, expecting that at any moment the wings would dry out, enlarge, and expand to support the swollen body, but it never happened. The butterfly spent the rest of his life crawling around in the bottom of the jar with a swollen body and shriveled wings. It never was able to fly. As the boy, as the boy tried to figure all this out and what had happened, his mom explained to him that the butterfly was supposed to struggle. In fact, the butterfly struggle to push its way through the tiny opening of the cocoon pushes through it fluid through its body and into the wings. Without the struggle, the butterfly would never, ever fly. The boy's good intentions limited the butterfly's purpose. That's what I'm talking about. Trials, difficulties challenge us. They, they change us. They change us. In life, it's the struggles. Listen, in life, it is the struggles that cause us to emerge into the people that God created us to be. 
In life, it is the struggles that cause us to emerge as the people that we were created to be. If there wasn't the fall, we wouldn't have to worry about it. But now that there's the fall involved and we, have a, we live in a sinful world, God will use the struggles in our lives to help you become more like Jesus Christ, to help you become the person that you were created to be. My friend, it was a trial that transformed Joseph into a world leader. It was a trial that transformed Ruth into a woman of love and loyalty and commitment. It was a trial that transformed Caleb into a giant killer. It was a trial that transformed Abraham him into a man of faith into the father of faith it was a trial that transformed Gideon into a warrior into a bold warrior it was a trial it was trials in their lives that helped them to emerge and to become the person that was created to be and it's the same in your life it's the same in my life we are not going to escape the trial we have to make a choice what kind of choice are we going to make what kind of people are we going to be My friends, our greatest opportunity for growth is found in times of of greatest difficulty. I love this quote. Edward Young, he wrote this. Affliction is a good man's shining time. Affliction is a good man's shining time. Let affliction in our lives be our shining time, not the time where people look at us and wonder where our faith is, what happened to God. Let it be, let the affliction of our lives, let the trials of our lives be for good people a shining time. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the series. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord God, that you're using it to shape us. And Lord God, I know this is difficult. That's why we're doing it. I know this is difficult sometimes to hear. I know it's difficult sometimes to understand, but it's truth. We are going to face trials. The only question is, how are we going to respond to those trials? What choices will we make? God, I pray that we make the right choices, the good choices, that we walk in the good way on the ancient path like those who went before us to become the people that we are created to be. And we know that when we do that individually in this church and then come together as the body of Christ, there is nothing you will not accomplish through us. And we pray this and we ask for it. We beg for it. We claim it in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Have a phenomenal week.